Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Ladies and gentlemen, there is absolutely no guarantee in Scripture that we who live in this country will be exempt from persecution. In fact, there's every guarantee that we will experience persecution. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Well, some people think that being a Christian is supposed to be easy, but in reality, Christians are not exempt from suffering. In fact, our suffering is pretty much guaranteed. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress describes the rising level of persecution that Christians around the world can expect to see. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome to Pathway to Victory. Just a few years ago, Amy and I had the blessing of becoming first-time grandparents. Our daughter gave birth to triplets, and you can imagine the mix of joy and chaos at Jeffress Family Gatherings. Now, in addition to the happiness we feel, I'll confess, I've had my moments of deep reflection as well. My three grandchildren have come into a world that's far different from the one I remember as a child. When I was in grade school, we could say a prayer, read the Bible, and express Christian values. In five or ten years from now, my grandchildren will likely face greater persecution than Christians have ever known before in this country. Now you say that's not a very cheerful outlook, Pastor Jeffers. Well, that's precisely why I'm giving my life to impacting the culture for Jesus Christ while there's still time. God's Word is the only hope for your family and for mine, and for a nation in desperate need of Christ. So today, I'm inviting you to invest in Pathway to Victory as a channel for impacting America one heart at a time. Plus, when you give today, I'm going to say thanks by providing three exclusive resources. One is a beautiful coffee table book. The other is a DVD. Both are designed to reinforce this absolute truth that America was founded as a Christian nation. And finally, I'm going to include a -a one-of-a-kind music CD that includes your favorite patriotic songs. It's called For God and Country, and it features our incomparable First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. David and I will give more details later in the program, but right now it's time to open our Bibles to Matthew 24. How can we survive in a world where persecution is growing stronger every day? I've titled today's message, Christians in the Crosshairs. I thought it was appropriate that I begin the message today with the story of one of the most courageous mothers in the world today, one I had the opportunity to meet just several months ago. You're probably familiar with the name of Miriam Ibrahim. She's the Sudanese woman, a 27-year-old medical doctor who was arrested in the Sudan and tried and convicted for apostasy and adultery. Apostasy because she converted from Islam to Christianity. Even though she never personally embraced the Muslim faith, they still accused her of apostasy. She was accused and found guilty of adultery because she had sex with her husband who happened to be a Christian and the Muslims did not recognize that marriage. After her trial, she was sentenced to death by hanging for apostasy and for 100 lashes for adultery. 
Uh, she stood before the Sudanese prosecutor time and time again. He gave her the opportunity to recant of her faith in Jesus Christ. And each time she uttered those words that have now become famous, when asked to renounce Jesus Christ as her savior, she said, I am a Christian and I will always be a Christian. As a result, she was sent to prison. She was placed in shackles and the prison officials refused to unchain her even when she gave birth to her child. As a result of the outcry of millions of people around the world, Miriam Ibrahim was finally released from that Sudan prison and she traveled to America where I had the chance to meet her. When she was interviewed by Megan Kelly on The Kelly File, Miriam Ibrahim said that her heart breaks for the women of Sudan. And then she added these words, there are many Miriams in Sudan and throughout the world. It's just not me. Today, when we hear stories like that of Miriam Ibrahim, we seem to think, well, that's for the Middle East. That happens in other places, but that would never happen here. Ladies and gentlemen, there is absolutely no guarantee in Scripture that we who live in this country will be exempt from persecution. In fact, there's every guarantee that we will experience persecution. Jesus said as much in Matthew chapter 5. In verses 1 to 10, he gives those qualities of a disciple that we call the Beatitudes. But then he begins in verse 11 and says, if you exhibit those qualities, if you're a true follower of mine, be ready for persecution. Verse 11, Jesus said, blessed are you, not if, but when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's take a moment and briefly survey what is happening around the world to Christians. First of all, let's talk about the Christians in Iraq. On June the 10th, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, we call them ISIS, captured the city of Mosul, on June the 10th. Now, Mosul may not mean much to you, but Mosul is the ancient city of Nineveh where Jonah ministered. And for the last 2,000 years, it has been a Christian community. And yet, ISIS came in, and as a result of a purge of all Christians, today there are no Christians remaining in Mosul. They've all fled. Homes and churches have been turned into bomb factories and torture chambers. Uh, all of the Christian sites have been shuttered. Uh, they have had all of their assets taken away from them, and they have been sent into the desert. In many ways, these Christians in Iraq and the Middle East are experiencing what the writer of Hebrews talked about in Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 35. And others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. That's the fate, that is the experience right now of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Middle East. 
You look at what is happening in China. Yes, the Christian movement is growing exponentially in China, but so is persecution against Christians. Bob Fu, who is the founder of China Aid, said that Christians in China face the worst persecution since the Cultural Revolution. He said, quote, there have been forced demolitions, the removal of crosses, over 300 churches have been attacked, pastors have been sentenced to 12 years in prison, multiple believers have been attacked and hospitalized, and thousands of police were mobilized to attack a church. This has not been since the time of the Cultural Revolution. It is overwhelming. Bob Fu has been tortured for his own faith in Christ. He had to flee Beijing in the middle of the night. He knew that at some point he would have to take some prison theology behind bars. He added, that's the experience of Chinese Christians. We were always told that if you wanted to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you would have to take that course. We're seeing persecution around the world. You say, well, it's always been that way since the beginning of time. Yes, it has. But there is an increase in this persecution. Did you know there were more martyrs in the 20th century than all the other centuries combined together. Open Doors USA has reported that in 2014, the level of persecution against Christians in the world was at the highest level it's been in the last 20 years. Jesus said, these things are going to be like the birth pains of a woman. They will increase in intensity and in frequency. Persecution was part of the Christian movement at the beginning. We're seeing it around the world today. Did you know persecution will escalate and reach its zenith during a future period of time we call the tribulation? Christians will be slaughtered by the millions for their faith in Jesus Christ. You said, no, wait a minute. During the tribulation, I thought all Christians were going to be raptured. We were going to get out of here, that there weren't going to be any Christians. It's true. The church will be raptured before the final seven years of Earth's history. But during that final seven years, many people will come to faith in Christ, but they will pay a terrible price to do so. And John said as he looked forward through the corridor of history that many of those who become Christians will be martyred. In Revelation 6, 9, he says, and when he broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. The catalyst for this persecution will be the rule of the final world dictator that we commonly call Antichrist. He will launch an attack against both the Jews and Christians. He sees them as one, just as radical Islam sees them as one, the people of the book. So the Antichrist will see Jews and Christians alike and will announce an attack against them. In Revelation 13, 7, John says, and it was given to him, that is the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. During that period of time, no one will be able to buy or sell goods or services, whether it's food, water, health care. You won't be able to have that unless you take the identification code called the mark of the beast. Look at Revelation 13, verses 16 and 18. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on the right hand or on their forehead, 
and he provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now think about that. Unless you take that mark that shows your allegiance to government and to government's leader, you won't be able to buy food for yourself or your children. You won't be able to have the medication you need for yourself or for your children. You will be denied healthcare access unless you show allegiance to this one world government. You say, how is such a thing is possible? How could government control our lives like that? You know, all you have to do is take out your smartphone and look at it right now. No, please don't do it because you'll never put it up again. But if you were to pick, pick up your smartphone, embedded in that smartphone is a chip. And that chip connects to a GPS that allows you to know where you are and where you're going. It also allows other people to know where you are and where you're going. Uh, that same technology allows you to track packages that you have shipped for delivery. And pretty soon, that same technology will be able to track every action that we have. I uh, came across an article entitled, Nine Real Technologies That Will Soon Be Inside You. And in this article, Michael Edelhart describes implantable smartphones, healing chips, cyber pills that will actually communicate to your doctor. He talked about something called smart dust, which will be placed inside of us, smart dust, he describes as arrays of full computers with antennas, each much smaller than a grain of sand. And the smart computers inside of you will be able to organize themselves into the body, into as-needed networks to power a whole range of complex internal processes. Now, many of these things will be for good. These things will be able to attack cancer, or bring pain relief, or store advanced medical data inside of us. But even this article closes with these words, this technology could be used also to ID every single human being. And where does that lead? I think we know where it's leading. If you take the Bible seriously, I mean, if you really believe what Revelation 13 and 16 says, that there is gonna be a mark that will be given to everyone who shows allegiance to the beast, and without that mark, you won't be able to buy or sell, then you have to take this seriously. There'll be all kind of rationalization for why we need to take this mark. National security, for example. We need to ID everyone. Or more efficient taxation to make sure there are no black market transactions, everything gets recorded so that the government can tax it. All, there'll be all kind of logical reasons for this identification system, but we know where it is leading Look, the Bible says we know that in the beginning there was persecution against believers. We've seen that persecution right now is the norm around the world, the greatest level it's been in history. We also know that in the future there is going to be a worldwide persecution of Christians. Why do we think that we are going to be exempt here in the United States? Listen, I believe personally in the rapture of the church. But contrary to what some people say about the rapture, that doesn't mean we get a pass on persecution. 
I think things could be very, very, very terrible before the church is finally raptured. There's no guarantee of exemption from persecution. There is every guarantee of it, and we need to be prepared for it. Well, what is persecution? Let's talk about what persecution is. Uh, One dictionary defines it this way. Hostility or ill treatment, especially because of race or political or religious beliefs. Applied to the Christian faith, being persecuted means enduring unfair treatment because of either your words or your deeds that you do in the name of Jesus Christ. And that kind of ill treatment you receive, well, it's on a spectrum. It can be anything from ridicule that you endure for wearing a cross to school or work, all the way to the other end of the spectrum, and that means martyrdom for the faith, and anything in between uh, those two extremes. Now, if you never take a stand for your faith, if you never act differently than those around you, you never have to worry about persecution. It's only those who stand for their faith. For example, students, if you remain quiet when a professor is standing up and ridiculing the Bible and blaspheming God, If you remain quiet, you never have to worry about experiencing a lower grade. If you're a pastor listening to this message and you never speak out against moral issues in the world today, you'll never have to worry about being criticized by people outside the church or even inside the church. Nobody's going to bother you. They'll leave you alone. If your parents are not a Christian and you talk to them about their need for Christ in a respectful way, If you choose never to talk to them about their need for Christ, you'll never have to worry about being thrown out of the house or suffering their wrath. If you're married to a non-Christian and you surrender to his or her desire that you quit going to church or that you not take the children to church, if you surrender to those wishes, you'll never have to worry about disharmony in your marriage. But if you do take a stand for Jesus Christ, get ready. You are going to suffer. It is inevitable. Again, Jesus talked about that in Matthew 24, verses 8 and 9. He said, but all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all the nations on account of my name. That's something you can bank on. Well, what should we be doing in order to prepare for this coming persecution? Some of you are experiencing it already, but what are we to do to prepare for it? I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Most scholars believe that Peter wrote this letter while Nero was the emperor of Rome. However, he wrote this letter one year before the empire-wide ban on Christianity began. In other words, before Nero began persecuting all Christians for every reason, Peter wrote this letter. So as Peter wrote this letter, things were beginning to heat up in the culture. Christians were sporadically being targeted, but the worldwide ban had not yet begun. In many ways, the situation then mirrors our situation here in America. People aren't being beheaded yet in America for their faith. They're not going to prison yet, but things are starting to heat up. That's the direction things are going. And so Peter has a strong word for us today as well. Look at verses 12 and 13. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes 
upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. I want you to look at that phrase, don't be surprised. You know, sometimes, and I'll put myself in this category, we get surprised when we suffer for Christ's sake. We think, wait a minute, I'm supposed to get rewarded for doing right. I'm not supposed to suffer for doing right. And yet Peter says, don't be surprised when you suffer for Christ as though it were odd, that it were strange. And then he adds that word at the beginning, beloved. That word means literally as those deeply loved by God. When you suffer in your workplace, when you suffer in a relationship, when you suffer at school for following Christ, remember, you're deeply loved by God. Your suffering doesn't mean God has forgotten about you or that he doesn't care about you. This is just part of the price for following Christ. And frankly, it's the price we don't hear that often about today. You know, one reason I think we get so surprised when we suffer for being a Christian is we think, no, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought following Christ means I would have a better life. I thought following Christ means an improved self-image, a happier marriage, an increase in my income. That's what I signed up for. I, I, I thought being a Christian would eliminate my problems. Ladies and gentlemen, being a Christian doesn't eliminate problems. In many ways, it creates new problems you would never have if you weren't a Christian, at least in the short term. Now, in the end, it all works out, and Christ rewards us. But in the short time, there is a price to pay for being a Christian. Don't think of it as unusual. And you know, inherent in this idea of persecution is being treated unfairly. You say, well, it's not fair that somebody would do that to me. It's just not fair. That's part of suffering. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Turn back two chapters to verses 21 and 23. If we're following Christ, we're going to have the same experience that Christ experienced. And what was that experience? Look at verse 21. For you have been called for this purpose. What purpose? For suffering. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. And who was this Christ? Look at verse 22. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. That is... He suffered for no reason. He did nothing that merited his suffering. Verse 23, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus was treated unfairly. Because Jesus suffered, none of us should be surprised when persecution shows up on our doorstep. It's to be expected. And it falls to every believer in Jesus Christ to get ready for whatever comes our way. Well, I'm going to share more about today's subject, Christians in the Crosshairs, tomorrow. But first, I'm eager to remind you that Pathway to Victory has produced three exclusive resources for you. And while there's still time, I want you to take advantage of these opportunities. The first is a gift book that I've titled, America is a Christian Nation. This is something you'll want to keep on your desk or coffee table as a constant reminder of our spiritual heritage. My book, America is a Christian Nation, tells many of the inspirational stories about our Christian beginnings as a nation. 
and it's complemented by a series of stunning scenic photographs that display the glory of our country as well. Second, I'm going to include a video recording of my message on DVD. It's also called America is a Christian Nation. And finally, I want you to have a new music CD performed by the First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. It's called For God and Country. And this uplifting collection of patriotic favorites will reinforce your love for God and for our country. All three resources, the gift book, the DVD, and the music CD are yours when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. I'm so grateful to those in our audience who demonstrate their patriotism by loving God with your heart, soul, and mind. You are a light in the darkness, and we deeply appreciate our partnership so very much. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request a copy of the best-selling book, America is a Christian Nation, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, you'll also receive the full-length companion message on DVD, along with a brand-new patriotic music CD from the First Baptist Dallas Choir and Orchestra. It's called For God and Country. To request your copy of these resources, simply call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. And when your gift is $125 or more, We'll also send you both the CD and DVD sets for the America and the Bible teaching series. To request the complete package of resources, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. You can also send your request by mail. Just write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, inviting you to join us again next time when Dr. Jeffress concludes this message called Christians in the Crosshairs. That's Thursday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.